Good morning, everybody. Um, this is our, our second go. Sorry for the, the delay at the beginning. Um, uh, someone texted me there to say, maybe as we're entering the season of Advent, which is all about waiting, uh, the Lord was teaching us something this morning So uh, about waiting. So thank you for your patience. Um, it's really good to be with you this morning, uh, even in this kind of strange way. Um, I'm back to preaching to just three people in the room. Uh, this morning, but very aware of all of you at home, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, uh, we're really glad that you're connecting with the service uh, this, today or this week. Um, and kind of, I've just been really aware, reflecting earlier, of the privilege of being invited into your home. In a sense, we love welcoming everybody here to the Sandal Center, uh, but we're we're really aware that of the privilege that you've invited us into your living room, your kitchen. Uh, as we as we connect together and listen to God's word uh, together. So thank you. Um, before we come to our teaching this morning, um, I just want to mention one thing quickly, which is this little booklet called Not Just Another Christmas, uh, which really is a lovely, fresh, uh, just telling of the message of Christmas and the good news of great joy for all people. And we have, we have got a, a large quantity of these um, in, and I guess... The big purpose of these is we're going to be over the next number of weeks um, encouraging you, challenging you to think about taking a risk, as we've been talking about in recent weeks, uh, to maybe give some of these away to your neighbours, your colleagues, your friends, uh, or whoever. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that in coming weeks. But before we think about giving the good news away to our friends, uh, we wanted to um, encourage each of us as believers to allow the good news to speak to our hearts first and to feed us and to kind of marinate in the good news as we, we talked about last week. And so we were going to this this morning give you all a copy of this booklet and suggest that you keep it by your bed or on your desk and just in the coming days read this message maybe a few times just to, to let it uh, connect with your heart. Um, so I can't give you this this morning. I have no way of passing it through the camera to you. Um, but tomorrow morning, whenever our Monday email drops in your inbox, there'll be a link to a page where you can read the content of that little booklet um, and you can start to read it for yourself uh, this week. And then in the coming weeks, we'll be encouraging you to, to give these away to others as well. So that is that. This morning we're coming to uh, just a little series that's going to lead us towards Christmas. Um, and we're going to be reading from a very famous passage in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, and we're going to be zooming in very particularly on a few words uh, in this passage. Uh, but let's read uh, part of the passage together. Uh, first of all, Isaiah chapter 9. Um, and we're going to read from the first verse. It says this. There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Then verse 2, the people walking in darkness, sorry, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Then down to verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Very famous words. So before we we kind of start to explore them together, um, I want to just make sure we've noticed some of the words in this passage and just kind of linger over them just for a moment. Um, The passage begins by talking about gloom and distress and darkness and deep darkness. Those are kind of heavy, dark words. Um, I wonder, can you recognize those words uh, in our world today? Gloom, distress, darkness. I don't think you have to look too far to find some signs of those things. So the, the passage begins with gloom, distress, darkness, and it ends, if we skip to the other end, with talking about a kingdom of justice and righteousness and peace. Those are amazing, beautiful words. A kingdom of justice and righteousness and peace, which will never end, which will go on forever. Um, and again, I wonder, can we recognize that those are things that we kind of long for in our world? A kingdom of justice, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of peace. Those are beautiful things that our hearts kind of are drawn out and long for. We long to see those things become reality. So we begin with gloom, darkness, uh, and distress. We end the passage with justice, righteousness, and peace. But if, if we ask, how do we get from A to B? How do we get from the one to the other? The turning point in the middle of the passage, remarkably, is the birth of a child. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And it seems that Isaiah is saying, if we want to see light breaking into the darkness, if we want to see the broken world made new, if we want to see a kingdom of righteousness and peace, we need to look to the child in the manger who becomes the man on the cross. That's the turning point of the whole story for the human race, for human history, for the world, for us. Um, And in the passage, um, the the child in the manger who becomes the man on the cross um, is given four names. Um, uh, You and I probably know names in the Bible um, are uh, are not something light. They're not just a kind of poetic, decorative flourish, a nice sounding thing. Names are powerful. Names carry weight. Name, names have powerful meaning. And the, the names that are given to the, the child who is, is going to be born, um, they describe his character. They describe who he is. And they describe his mission, what he has come to do. Uh, and in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to kind of slow down and look at these four names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and we're going to try and slow down and kind of reflect on these names and let them show us Jesus in all his beauty and glory. Let them bring light to maybe our own darkness and our own gloom, uh, wherever that might be, and the darkness and gloom of our world. And so, first of all, this week, we're going to think about this name. He is called Wonderful Counselor. Um, I wonder what comes to mind for you immediately when you hear that name. Um, Many of you probably know I am married to someone who is a wonderful counsellor. 
Um, and we have actually an MCF many wonderful counsellors. Um, and so maybe the first thing to clarify or say is that the meaning of the word counsellor here is not that. Um, it's not someone offering listening or talking therapy. But it's talking about someone who offers counsel, who offers advice or wisdom. Uh, if you're trying to look for an image in your mind, maybe think of the image of a king in the old days who looks to his advisors for wise counsel, his counsellors. Um, except, of course, in this case, we've got to kind of reverse the picture because actually in this case, it's the king who's offering us counsel. But that's yeah, it's, it's one who offers wisdom, who offers advice. Um, later on in Isaiah, um, Isaiah 29, verse 29, says, all this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. Right? So that's what we're talking about. God's plan is wonderful. His wisdom is magnificent. He's a wonderful counselor. Okay, so that's the first clarification. It's not about therapy so much as it is about advice and wisdom and counsel. Um, the second thing is the word wonderful here means something more than just amazing. The Hebrew word wonderful speaks of filled with wonders. In other words, it speaks of something actually supernatural and miraculous. You think of the phrase we sometimes use about signs and wonders. So this is a word that points to the miraculous, that points to the, the supernatural. And so when you put those things together, that a counselor is about wisdom and counsel and advice, and that wonderful is about the miraculous and the supernatural. Um, I guess we could define wonderful counselor as one who gives wise counsel, which comes from a supernatural source, or, and, um, one who gives wise counsel, which has supernatural impact. I think the, the supernatural thing is both where this wisdom comes from and what it results in. But that's what we're, that's what's contained in that little phrase, wonderful counselor. Um, I don't know about you, that, that kind of starts to get me already kind of inspired and excited. Um, wisdom and counsel from a supernatural source that will have supernatural impact. Um, uh, the writer Dallas Willard has a, a, a phrase that always kind of catches me by surprise. He says it a number of times where he says, Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived. And it always kind of catches my attention because we often don't think of Jesus in that way because we, we think of a lot of his other attributes, his compassion and his grace and his holiness and so on. But Dallas Willard says this, Jesus is not just nice, he is brilliant. He is the smartest man who's ever lived. He always has the best information on everything and certainly on the things that matter most in human life. I wonder if you ever thought of Jesus that way. Um, imagine you had someone like that at the end of the telephone, someone who is always wise, capable, insightful, creative, resourceful, who always has the best information about the things that matter. I often, I wonder how often you would phone them. <laughs> I wonder how often you would consult them uh, and look for their counsel and look for their wisdom. Um, you remember whenever, it's a long time since I've seen it, but I think it's probably still going, who wants to be a millionaire? And you got a chance to phone a friend. And it seems like people often had 
a few friends waiting for the phone call, but depending on the question they got, they got a question about sport, they'd go, I'm going to call my Uncle Jimmy because he, he's good on sport, or if they get something about literature, I'm going to call my friend Susan because she reads a lot or whatever. There's something about we often consult Jesus on specialist spiritual topics. We think that's his area of expertise. He'll show us if we want to know how to get to heaven, we consult Jesus. If we want to know how to get our sins forgiven, we consult Jesus. If we want to know how to be reconciled to God, we consult Jesus. That's his area. But when it comes to the rest of life, we often rely on our own resources and our own knowledge and our own expertise, or we listen to every other voice and never quite think of consulting Jesus. wonder who do you look to for counsel, for wisdom, for advice when you're making difficult decisions about work or when you're making decisions about money or houses or cars or holidays or when you're dealing with problems in your marriage or challenges in parenting. Who's at the end of the phone for you about those things when you're deciding what to watch or what to read or what to listen to or when, when you're trying to make sense of what's going on in the world and politics and economics and all the rest. Who do you look to for counsel, for wisdom, for advice? Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He's not just a specialist on spiritual matters. He's the ultimate generalist. (laughs) Um, Everything was made by him and for him and is sustained by him. Um, He is the source of wise, trustworthy counsel on all areas of life and death and the life to come. Um, maybe this will help us think about this. Um, you remember the, the famous story in John 21 uh, when the disciples had gone fishing? Um, and of course, uh, at least for some of the disciples, that was an area of expertise. They knew a lot about fishing. They had a lot of knowledge, a lot of, a lot of experience. Um, and they worked, and yet the story tells us that they worked all night and caught nothing. All their knowledge and expertise didn't lead to fruitfulness in that story. Jesus, of course, was a carpenter. (laughs) Uh, You'd have forgiven the disciples for thinking Jesus is good at teaching us about the kingdom of heaven, but he doesn't know anything about fishing. And yet, when they paused and humbled themselves and listened to his voice and his counsel, and he said to them, put your nets down on the right side of the boat, And they put their nets down and they're filled to breaking. And I find myself wondering, what am I missing? What are we missing? Because we don't pause and humble ourselves and listen to his voice. Because we don't think of consulting him, involving him, listening to him in those everyday things in our lives. Because we listen to every other voice before we listen to him. I find myself thinking this week, Our world is full of loud voices shouting for attention. Um, So many voices, so many opinions, uh, so many experts, so many uh, people saying, listen to me. Uh, I recently watched a video on YouTube. You may have had this experience as well. Um, I clicked on something because it sounded kind of interesting and a, a bit controversial. So I clicked on it and watched it. And the next time I went on YouTube, 
it suggested 10 similar videos. It was kind of like, you like that kind of thing? Here's 10 more. And I found myself reflecting the algorithm algorithms of this world will always favor the loud voices, the contentious, the controversial, the clickbaity. Um, there's a stunning verse later in the book of Isaiah um, speaking about one called the servant who it becomes clear is a picture of the Messiah of Jesus. Matthew's gospel applies this verse directly to Jesus. Um, and this is what it says. It says, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Something I actually find really moving about that verse in speaking of Jesus. You have to slow down and quiet your soul. You have to turn down the volume on the other loud voices to hear this still small voice of wisdom. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. wonder what it would take for you and I to quiet the loud voices and to listen to this quiet voice of our wonderful counsellor. Um, getting, getting a wee bit more practical for a moment. Um, how do you and I go about in our days seeking his counsel? If he is the wonderful counsellor, if he's the source of this supernatural wisdom um, that will lead to wonders in our life, um, how do we seek his counsel? Um, and I want to suggest two really simple things that are involved. We need to listen to his word and we need to listen for his whisper. And I think we need both those things side by side. Um, without the written word, um, we end up inventing a Jesus of our own imagining. We can't tell the difference between our own thoughts and his. We need the written word because it points us to Jesus, the living word. All scripture leads us to Jesus. Every page whispers his name, uh, somebody has said. So if we want to seek his wisdom and his counsel, it doesn't make any sense for us not to be uh, plunging into this book. We need to make lots of space in our lives for his word. As it says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Give it lots of room in your life. Let it shape your mind, your heart, your life. So we need to listen to his word so that we make sure the Jesus we're listening to is not a Jesus we've invented. But we also need to listen for his whisper. Because without the living whisper, we become kind of followers of a dry orthodoxy. Um, our, our religion becomes a system of beliefs and behavior. And a man, the, the Bible becomes a manual of right living. And we'll be very correct and very proper like the Pharisees. But there'll be no life, no joy, no wonder, no wonders. We need to be able to say, uh, like an old song from my younger days says, he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. That there's a, a living conversation with the living Jesus. Um, Jesus himself leads us to expect the inner voice as well as the voice of scripture. Do you remember in John 14, Jesus promises when he promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what he said? He promised another counselor just like himself. That's one of the translations of that word paraclete, um, comforter uh, or counselor. He promises another counselor just like himself who will live within us 
and will lead us into all truth, the living presence of the living God within us. So we need to be soaked in his word, uh, allowing his word lots of space in our lives, but we also need to be listening for the whisper of the voice of the Spirit within. Again, later in the book of Isaiah, uh, there's a promise that I think refers to this that says in Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So we're given a living voice um, to guide us as we live our lives. Um, I was talking to someone last week and they told me a very simple story about a moment recently in their life where they were sitting in their car about to go, they had plans and they were about to go in a particular direction to go and do something. And they felt just a little nudge telling them to go to a particular neighbor's house. And they went and it ended up opening up an opportunity to talk about Jesus and to pray with that neighbor who was going through very difficult circumstances. Um, I wonder, can you see, the scriptures are amazing and wonderful and indispensable, but they couldn't tell my friend in that moment to go to that house. He needed to listen to the whisper of the Spirit um, and follow that little nudge. And he and I were talking and we, we were wondering together, how often do we miss those little nudges? How often is Jesus standing by wanting to offer us the best wisdom for the circumstances that we're in? And we don't pause to ask him. We just keep fishing and catching nothing and wondering why. And he's waiting to give us counsel, to give us wisdom. Um, I should say, by the way, in case it's, it might be helpful to say, I don't think Jesus always tells us what to do uh, specifically in every situation. Often he gives us freedom to choose using biblical wisdom and sanctified common sense. Um, so he doesn't micromanage every part of our lives. But I also think it needs to be our normal habit. Whatever we're doing, whether it's parenting or business or politics or TV watching or shopping or whatever, to pause often and seek his counsel. See if there's something he wants to say to us in that moment. Um, C.S. Lewis has this uh, lovely phrase in Mere Christianity where he says, the real son of God is at your side, often comes to my mind. The real son of God is at your side. Um, and so for you and I, as we live our lives, instead of striving and straining to make something happen ourselves, we can listen for his voice, his whisper, and let our nets down where he tells us to let them down. And then we will see miracles and wonders. If we want to see wonders, then we need to listen to the wonderful counsellor. Um, and so maybe as we finish, um, let me encourage you in this Advent season and these coming days leading up to Christmas um, to look for ways to turn down the volume on the loud voices clamouring for your attention. And there's going to be lots of those. Find ways to slow down and quiet your soul and listen for the voice of the one who doesn't shout or raise his voice in the street. This child in the manger, this man on the cross, this man of no reputation. Listen for his voice. Trust in his wisdom. Rest 
in his wisdom, sometimes the many voices in our lives make us exhausted. <laughs> Rest in his wisdom. This is a voice you can trust for all of life, for every part of life, and for the life to come. And then look for the wonders that he will bring about, because only he can bring them about in our lives. Uh, finish with these words uh, again from later on in Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 29, verse 14. God speaks and says, The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. But this is what God says. Once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. Let's, let's pray together. And then we're going to sing one more time uh, to finish. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much that as we go about our lives in this noisy world, the real Son of God is at our side and his Spirit is within us and he is longing to give us, to offer us in every moment the wisdom that we really need. Father, I want to pray you would forgive us when we go about our lives and don't stop and pause and humble ourselves and seek your counsel. When we just keep fishing, using our own best knowledge and experience, when we listen to every other voice but don't listen to yours. I want to pray, would you help us this week? Help us this week to take really practical steps to turn down the volume on all the other loud voices clamoring for our attention and to listen for the voice of Jesus. Pray that you would give us your wisdom for all the circumstances that we're facing in our lives right now. And Father, as we listen to your wisdom, as we obey, the things that we hear from you. We pray that we would see wonders in our lives, that we would see miraculous things happen. It can only happen uh, when we listen to you and hear your voice. That you would show us as your people wonders upon wonders. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>